1: Up in the air, caught. touchdown. Caught by Westrup for a touchdown. I think like my Colorado when i play, I don't really, not really know just how to act. And when no go, you know I'm bad. Holly bus with my Colorado,
0: my Colorado Welcome swag. into the DMVR bus podcast presented by the Colorado XO's. I'm Henry Chisholm, and as we will do every Tuesday, we're having Matt McChesney on the show. Yo. What's up, Matt? Here's a question. So so you just said you're headed to Popeye's after this, pick up a chicken sandwich. Oh, you're damn straight. You said it's because it's close. It's right down. Makes it's right sense. there, man. What is the best chicken sandwich, though? Is it the Popeye's? Best, the best yeah. chicken
1: sandwich? Are we talking fast food chicken sandwiches? I think
0: it has to be fast food, yeah.
1: Best fast food chicken sandwich... It's probably the Popeye sandwich I that so I've too. had. I mean, Chick Fil A is overrated as hell, bro. I I, agree. I, I like the chicken minis just because the bread. Num nom, nom. But <laughs> the I, I just the mac and cheese is good. But it I mean, it's not as good as my mama's mac and cheese. Mm. So I, I just the box mac and cheese. I think it, you can make better than that mac and cheese too. I just okay. feel like Chick Fil A smug because they're not open on Sundays and overrated. So that Popeye's chicken sandwich, Doug. Yeah. The mayonnaise on It is, on is it. so good. Like, they just it's make like that they put so greasy. so much mayonnaise so on fatty. it. So fatty. It's so good, though. So good. It, it is really, I'm going to hammer two of them. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the diet's going to have to wait a day because I don't no. care if I'm trying to get to 260. I am hammering <laughs> at least two <laughs> well, of those what sandwiches. What you at now? Just So asking. I was 386 last really? November. Yeah, and I I carry it well. You you definitely (laughs) do. No, I was a thick thick bitch. There's no lie. (laughs) And it was just, you know, COVID got me and sitting around. You know, I used to drink a lot of milk. I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm anywhere between like 310 and 290 these days. I fluctuate 20 pounds. Uh, I was 306 this morning. So my goal is to get to 260. Um, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get that skinny again, but – We'll see. You know, I, I want to. I want some abs. You know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm Don't recently recently single, so back on the market. So <laughs> you, you know, I'm trying not to carry around a keg anymore. Get some six pack. Let let some uh, let some honeys rub on it. Maybe one of these days, you never know. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the uh, the weight loss journey was uh, it's a it's a journey, no doubt. I mean, it the first fifty pounds fell off pretty cool. quick, but. I like food, I'm not going to lie, so I got to do extra cardio if I'm going to eat during the football season, so I guess we'll see. <laughs>
0: what would you play at? What was your playing weight?
1: Um, when I was a defensive lineman, when I first got to CU in 2000 as an end, I was around 260 to 275 for the first two years. Okay. I broke my leg, my third cool. training camp, medicaled, and they moved me down to three techniques, so same progression like Brayton took and mm-hmm. guys like that, and uh, I played my last two years around 295, 300, and then... When I moved to offense after my second training camp, I'm I was about three thirty the rest of my career, three thirty-five. And then uh, you know, post career, I I stayed around the same weight for a long time and then my fat ass put on some weight during COVID, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was yeah. I mean, it was it was just the natural progression. I mean, I'm a gym owner and whatnot and I'm really active, so it's not like mm-hmm. I was carrying around cheeseburger Eddie weight at three seventy, yeah. but yeah. Definitely carrying around some weight I didn't need, and I'm glad I worked it off. I'm not going to lie. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with myself. I'm, I can't sit here and beat myself up too much. It was, no. it was hard to lose the weight, but uh, it was the best thing to do because if not, my heart will stop. That's not don't good. Want, don't that. want that. Definitely don't want that. <laughs> so, so
0: did you did you like experiment with your weight at all? Like going through like college, pro football, like I mean, or did did you just kind of sit at a uh, weight? Because I, I know Carson Lee, he he had said like he tried three ten, he tried three thirty. I can't remember what he said he liked. It was like three fifteen or something. But
1: I I mean, look, I am more of the opinion that the strength and leverage will win. But at the same time, if you're 260 trying to play three technique, you're going to get murked. Like, you're getting moved. So, you need to have a certain amount of weight just from a tangible standpoint. But the worst possible thing, in my opinion, is to be too big young. So, I was slim when I was I was 270, like, lean. Okay. So... I say this to my guys down at, at Six Zero Football Academy constantly. At six Six Zero Football Academy dot com. Check oh, yeah. it out. Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram. But I don't want you big. I want you mm-hmm. slim. Like I'd rather cut weight off of you and you go to college at two seventy five as a tackle then go at 320 because all you're going to do is they're going to cut all the baby fat off your big ass when you get there anyway. So the slimmer, the leaner, the better, the more athletic, the better, the more flexible, the better. You know, the biggest misconception out there, in my opinion, is that offensive and defensive linemen, the interior guys are big, fat guys. Uh, I'm like... "Uh." I don't see a whole lot of big fat guys out there. I see a lot of athletes, though. I see mm-hmm. a ton of athletes out there that are rather large.
0: Maybe not chiseled in the same way, but well, it's, still it's, plenty I of mean, muscle. I you mean,
1: you can have a bad body and still be an absolute hoss. Yep. So, like, it, it's, there's, a, there's a difference. I never really had the bad body syndrome because I'm a D lineman at heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but born offensive lineman, there's definitely some bad bodies out there. There's no lie. No lie. I mean, the, the, Hank Fraley played for a lot of years, and Hank Fraley had a terrible body terrible but he played for 15 years so I mean it doesn't really matter if you can get the job done but I would go lighter over just putting weight on because you know what I'm saying
0: yeah makes sense and you can always put it on you can go to the gym you you can eat whatever but uh that that, that's kind of a good segue into what we want to talk about today with the new strength coach Shannon Turley taking Mm -hmm. over uh so far during camp and even during spring ball as well we were hearing great reviews whether it's from Carl Durrell whether it's from the the rest of the coaching staff whether it's from uh, even the players who say that they feel loose and they feel more flexible um, but but that's kind of the MO for somebody like Shannon Turley uh, for those who are listening and don't know he spent I think 12 years on Stanford staff yep. it, it aligned with when Stanford went from you know a four win program annually to being a competitor to, to win the Pac-12 year in and year out and whether it's you know uh, Jim Harbaugh, David Shaw he's gotten a lot of credit from that coaching staff for being being a key part of that turnaround. Um, I wonder, first of all, what what do you know about Shannon Turley? Because you do similar work to him, just not working for a team.
1: So I I like Turley. I think it's a really – I like Drew Wilson. I thought he was good and he got him strong, but there was definitely flexibility issues and injury issues. Uh, Turley, you know, I, I placed Drake Nugent and Barrett Miller. Mm-hmm. Out at Stanford, two starters on yeah. the offensive line, and they raved about him. They and, were. And how long they, did they spend with him? One year, two years. Two years. Okay. And they were pissed when he left. I mean, that you know, he's t- that's a huge get for for the Buffs, and he was part of some really, really strong, really, really good teams at Stanford. So I love his philosophies. I I too agree with body weight exercise and full range of motion and hip flexibility and foot speed and just the overall endurance aspect it takes to be an explosive athlete for up to 90 place, yeah I think that that's really important the way he the way he strategizes and the scientific approach he takes to his training um I love it it's the way that I try and do it at six zero like I, I'm not really concerned about yes benching for max is important but I'm more concerned with the 225 and the 185 for mm-hmm. endurance and the explosive aspect of of striking people with your hands mm-hmm. and the I love the full-body aspect of how he trains the guys with the, the consistent uh, communication and teaching of through, like if you drew an X on the body of an athlete from the left hand or from the left foot, the inside of your left foot through, through your right hand and the inside of your right foot through your left hand and taking and, and transferring the power – that you do in the weight room and the, mm-hmm. the work you do on the field for agility exercises that actually transfers to the field. So movement patterns that are consistent. And he does an unbelievable job with getting the guys ready to play from that aspect. And everybody that I've talked to up there, their bodies feel a ton better, uh, their shoulders, their backs, their hips, their ankles. They just feel good. And they're light on their feet and they're, they're doing a really good job of, they don't have a lot of big fat guys up there. They got some, Big-ass athletes, though. And they got some fast-twitch athletes, and I think Turley's doing a great job. It's one of the best hires Darrell made, in my opinion. The the defensive coordinator switch, I like Tyson. He's a good coach. But when you have Chris Wilson on that staff and he's taking orders from Tyson Summers, something's wrong. So, you know, that that switch is going to be monumental, in my opinion. Uh, And then the the Turley uh, hire is – I don't think you can stress the importance of both of them. It is so important to have a quality strength coach. I, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was very blessed to have Doctor Er Crease when I was there. Who, you know, is going through a lot of health problems right now. We love Doc, and he was so so good uh, for the mentality part of those teams I was on. But, I mean, Barnett got rid of him when I was there, too, and and Greg Finnegan stepped in, and Finney brought a different philosophy, and it was a good thing at that point. So, you know, Drew did a lot of really good things, Mm -hmm. but Turley, I think that his little dash of madness is going to be much needed.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And that, again, is kind of what we've been hearing from everybody. And the injury prevention is kind of at the center of what he's all about. And he he does that through a bunch of different methods, you know, whether it's the body weight exercises, but also personalizing workout plans for each individual player. Yep,
1: it's not just position group workout plans yep. now.
0: And it's going back and saying, well, five years ago you had whatever knee injury. We should, we should be paying attention to that and working off of that and going through the injury history, going through, obviously, like other things like where you just need to get stronger as a football player. But he does seem to have a very thorough approach to this whole process. And I guess uh, my next question is how long does it take for – The effects of hiring Shannon Turley to kick in. You know, he's only been working with these guys six, seven months now.
1: It's already kicked in. You think so? 100%. And and it's going to be
0: even more of an effect a year from now, two years from now?
1: It's only going to quantify even more the longer he's there. Okay. So I think that there is no limit to how good the players and the athletes can be as long as there's buy-in. They have to buy in to what he's selling. And I feel like they have because they see it working. So there's no discourse or dissent because everyone's like, well, hell – I mean, we see this working. He's got my best interest in mind mm-hmm. from, from the way like Rice should be trained and developed mm-hmm. and the way Jake Wiley should be trained and developed are totally different. You know the sure. way Lang needs to be developed and and taught, and the way Landman needs to be developed and taught, and the way that Gonzalez needs to be developed and taught is totally different. So, just having you know a vanilla lifting schedule is, I mean, it's yeah, it's a lift, but we're not at twenty-four hour fitness. So I I love it because it, it's very similar to the way I do things. It's very specific. It's every single kid has a different need, and and every single player has a different developmental need, right? So. I say constantly, let's not put a bandaid on a bullet hole. Like if there's a problem, if we are, if we have terrible core strength, if our hip flexibility is compromised, if we can't move our feet because we're too tight, if whatever it is, your diet, your supplementation, your sleep habits, whatever, let's not just be like, oh well, you know, that's something that we have to deal with. No, Turley is about fixing issues, mm-hmm. so he, that's the same mindset and. I personally think that there may be some growing pains early with the individual players, like freshmen that go in that don't have the structure of a six zero. Yep. Wherever they come from. Yep. They're going to, it'll take some time to acclimate to a scientific approach that is also very grunt. Like it's a Mm -hmm. grunt scientific approach, which I dig. Mm -hmm. And, but the guys who are coming from an IMG academy are coming from a 6-0 academy, even if they're high school kids. Mm-hmm. Travis Gray is going to be extremely acclimated to what Coach Turley wants in the weight room because he's coming from 6-0. So it, it'll be different for each kid, yes. But just looking at how. It's different for each kid. Like we were talking about, you know, the the aspects and scientific nature of Turley's training yep. and the way he does things. I think it'll benefit everybody as they move forward with strength and conditioning and staying healthy and everything else that Turley brings to the table. So, awesome. That's yeah. good stuff. Um, before we get this first break, though, uh, <laughs> you know, we uh,
0: I had a chance to talk with Brian Howell, at Pac-12 Media Day, the Boulder Daily Camera, mm-hmm. about uh, about. The Mm -hmm. Buffs and the history, and, you know, we're excited about this upcoming season. uh, But he said that he wasn't necessarily all that excited about some of those seasons seven, eight years ago, and that you could kind of feel that things were going to go wrong. Just because, you know, going to a back-to-back bowl game would be such a a change in terms of the success that these uh, programs had over the last decade and a half. You know, do do you fear that a little bit, that maybe
1: some of this enthusiasm could be unwarranted not this year not this year. i mean i i cannot lie that there has been <laughs> time uh there's mm. been fake De- before enthusiasm. we take our first break mm-hmm. I mean, here's it, a question so packed 12 media day we haven't won a bowl I, game was in boulder I was talking with brian howell of the boulder daily I'm 40, camera and so, you know we've just, been excited about this is. upcoming season um He's been but since the 2016, I now. truly believe so I to ask, that, you know, that there's been warranted enthusiasm. Did you always enthusiasm. feel excited before players these seasons? Because mm-hmm. they were consistently bottom two facilities. in the Pac-12 South and they do the, in the you conference. Know, the, every, and he said no. Shiny he said bells that whistles. there were a lot of it's those nice. years you just knew that this three, was a two-three-win Three, Three win straight five-and-seven um, seasons You know, we're sucks. both excited about the program sucks now. Sucks not going to a bowl game and being able to quantify the work and really get the extra work that you get in the bowl practices and whatnot. Last year, going to the Alamo Bowl was nice, but let's be real, it was a COVID season, So I I didn't even bring it up, as you see. So I I am very enthusiastic about this year because I can see the NFL talent on the field. And NFL talent Mm -hmm. equates to wins in college football. So I don't see how they can't make a bowl game this year, minimum. I mean, the minimum, they're a six-win team, and I think that Uh would be even bad for the team at this point. So Mm -hmm. there's no fake enthusiasm right now, but there has been in the past. I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you. Mm -hmm. I mean – there were some years where, you know, they're starting you know, walk on wide receivers in the <laughs> secondary and shit. So yeah, there were some then times and some bad moments, but again, you gotta go through hell to get to heaven. And I, I feel like the Buffs are in a really, really productive position right now. They've got dudes, man, everywhere. They got dudes. The Robert Barnes kid has turned into a stud. He has. And his his like the, his fit on defense next to Landman is I mean, those are two NFL linebackers right there. Mm-hmm. Carson Wells is an NFL player. Lang's an NFL player. I, I, I think that uh, yeah. uh, Kai Beckham, yeah, Kai Beckham is Little an NFL player. About he's the size. my guy. Well, yeah. yeah, but he's a he's a stud. He can play. I mean, it, 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 I mean, Crawley had some size issues too, and he was undrafted, and he's still playing. Yep. So, I think Christian Gonzalez, that Christian Gonzalez is a draft pick. He that is, kid's yes. a stud. Just stay healthy. So they got dudes and. We haven't even talked about the offense. they got dudes on the <laughs> offense. So that when you have dudes and then you have NFL coaches, which is what they have. Yep, Carl Durrell's an NFL coach. Coach Shiv's an NFL coach, even though he hasn't done it. I still think he, in the future he's an NFL coach. Mm-hmm. And Coach Wilson's an NFL coach, bona fide Super Bowl winning NFL coach uh, as a defensive line coach with the Eagles. So he knows what it takes to be a, a great coach and develop NFL talent. And they're, I think that they are in a position – where in the past people could look at the schedule that we're playing and go, that's a W. And I don't think there's one team on the schedule this year that can look at CU. Texas a sch- No, not even I'm Texas A&M. Love to hear it. Not even Texas A&M, regardless of how high they're ranked. They are replacing key members of their football team that have never played before. Mm-hmm. And it's not. The, I don't know who they open with, but it ain't Colorado. Kent State. Okay, well, there you go. They'll mop Kent State <laughs> at, at Aggieland. You know, Kyle Field's one of the best atmospheres in college football, but still, I know this isn't true, but I'm going to use the narrative, and I'll, I've said it to the guys. They don't want to go to Folsom because every time they go to Folsom, we whip their ass. So if that's the narrative we need to use, then let's lock the goddamn gate on them and empower. So, I know I don't think A&M is even a, a, a 100% victory. If you take CU lightly, you will lose.
0: That's what we like to hear. Um, we've got a bunch we still have to get to. You brought up Robert Barnes. I had a chance to catch up with him last week, and uh, he had some interesting comments about the culture at CU. Uh, I want to talk more about the, the Buffs having NFL coaches, and we absolutely have to talk about the quarterback situation now that JT Shroud is 100%. down. 100%. But first, want to remind you guys that if you aren't members of DMVR yet, now is the time to join. Use that promo code CAMP2021 when you sign up. And you'll get a $60 gift card to the DMVR locker. There's a bunch of cool stuff in there. Just got some new hats. Uh, going to be a shirt with Nate Landman that he will get half of the proceeds hey, for hey. coming up in a couple weeks. Get them, 53. It's going to get going. We're, we'll, we'll hook you up with one of those, Matt. Um, but, yes, definitely now is the time to sign up. If you're looking for a place to hold your fantasy draft, the DMVR bar is your answer. If you bring a group of at least 10 people for a fantasy draft, you'll get two free pitchers of beer. A Breckenridge beer, a draft beer. Just give them a call once they open at 3 o'clock every day, and they will get that all figured out. Uh, also, want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. They make so many of the things that we do possible, including we're going to have a tailgate for the CU soccer game against preseason number one Florida State on August 29th. They gave us a bunch of beer, so if you guys want to check out some of their beers, you can find them just about wherever, whether it's gas station, liquor store, at the DMVR bar or for free in the parking lot before the Buffs take on Florida State in what should be, I mean, it's hopefully going to be a really fun match. Um, Hopefully see all of you out there. Um, Also, Breckenridge is giving 1% of all profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. It's a really cool thing that they're doing. We love our parks. They do too. So not only are you supporting a great local company, supporting us by supporting our partners, you're also supporting... Our Outdoors. And finally, I uh, want to talk about Solace Meds. They're a fairly new partner of ours. They've got four convenient Colorado locations. There's one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one that is just blocks away from where we are sitting right now on East Colfax. Uh, they have a bunch of really cool deals just for the month of August. So make sure you get in there to check these out. Uh, Dixie Elixirs, you can get two for $30. Spectres 20% off. Ripple's 25% off. Silver Shell Flower's 15% off connoisseur shelf concentrates is 15% off Um, so many great things plus if you use the code dnvr 20 you can get 20% off every single time on top of these great deals that they're already offering so make sure you take advantage of that and if you head into any location you can get a free solace bar or king cone when you mention that code Uh, again new partner of ours want to show them the love and they're trying to help us out, too, by giving you 20% off of all those already great deals. Just go to solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. Use the code DMVR20 at checkout, and you'll get 20% off on top of all these other deals. Okay. Um, let's let's get into these quarterbacks. So the, so the big news, and Carl hasn't given us like the specific... Uh, Injury. He hasn't said, like, it is a torn ACL. But he did say yesterday it is a serious injury. He will need surgery. He is absolutely done. done. They won't say it, but he is done. And that leaves the Buffs in kind of a tough situation. You know, I think Brendan Lewis had a really good chance of winning the job before. He's now your starter. Your backups, though, two true freshmen as second and third strings. And technically, Brendan Lewis is a true freshman as well, even though he played last year. First of all, how concerning is that for you that Colorado only has these three freshmen playing quarterback?
1: I'm not concerned at all. No? No. Because JT was going to be the backup anyway. Yep. So I'm not concerned about it. The starting quarterback mm-hmm. is healthy. hmm I'm concerned that he may not – I'm concerned about comfort and complacency from a young guy. Okay. But that's just the concern of a coach. Mm-hmm. If you trust your player, then that goes away quick. So the minute I see him have success and handle it like a veteran, it won't be an issue anymore. I just hit my funny bone, and that shit's not funny. It's I'm, so, I'm trying so hard not to let it affect too. me. I don't and the you heard it. You heard it, and it really sucked. It's, it hurt. <laughs> but I'm with it. I'm going to pull through just like I'm t- sitting here t- Look, the ambulance is coming to get me right now. Yeah, yeah. Here comes the meat wagon from McChesney. Um, but... <laughs> I will say that I, I think that Lewis is mature for his age, mm-hmm. and he understands the, the the even more importance of him playing well now because you can't go to a vet. Um, but I, again, there's a reason JT transferred from Tennessee, and they don't really have good quarterback play, and he's still and still mm-hmm. left. So I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm just saying there's a reason. There's always a reason yep. why quarterbacks move on. There's only one spot for him. Um, You know, you got a guy like Matt Lynch on the roster. Matt's Dungeon family. I've been working with Matt since he was at Legacy back in the day. He went to UCLA as a bona fide big-time quarterback prospect. So I know he's a tight end body now, and he's been blocking guys and catching balls. But if it came down to it, you've got a guy who went to UCLA to play quarterback that could step in and probably do it. And then – You've got some young guys behind him. The walk-on Jordan Worvington, is dungeon family Mm -hmm. as well. We placed him from Durango. Mm -hmm. I think that if Jordan would have started with me earlier uh, as a junior or sophomore maybe, I think he would have been a scholarship player like Padilla was, like Tommy Lazaro, Pierce Hawley we sent to Georgetown from from Lakewood, guys like that. Um, So I think that he could have been in that position to be a full scholarship player so the fact that he's a walk-on should not deter people again no one gives a shit how you get in the room can you play or not so i'd be i'd be eager to see how he does if he was put on the field but i doubt you'll see jordan this year i mean he early enrolled he's been there for a, a calendar year and, or going on a calendar year after the football season and he'll continue to develop uh, you know, Clatt was a walk-on. You, you've got a lot of guys in, in history who have done really well with that position, so I think Jordan will be that guy eventually, maybe. Um, McCown comes in next year, the lefty. That's exciting. From the, he's the son of Josh McCown, so you know he's got that lineage mm-hmm. and, and the smarts and whatnot, and I know they're super excited about that. There's not a whole lot of really good left-handed quarterbacks. I I can't wait to watch a lefty spin it. <laughs> I know. It's an it's ugly fun. It's ugly throwing motion, but – One of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, Steve Young, is a lefty. And and he he made it work. He was the most efficient passer in NFL history for a lot of years.
0: I've heard receivers say, like, catching a ball. It's different. It is different. It's way
1: different. The the ball is – Comes out of his hand differently, yeah. So, and remember, the majority of protections are set up for right-handed quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Every quarterback in the NFL is right-handed. There are no left-handed quarterbacks yeah. in the National Football League. After Kellen Moore retired right. from Dallas, he was the last left-hander. So, there's no starters, there's no backups in the league that are left-handed. Not that there can't be, there just there isn't yep. any. Michael Vick was left-handed. Remember, you know, Young was left-handed. Mm-hmm. Michael Vick threw the tightest spiral I've ever seen in my entire life. So that ball, Bow T. Come on, dog. What do you, why, why would you say that and ruin, ruin the, ruin yeah. the mojo? Yeah. Look, Tebow retired or got cut today, so I'm not going to like knock on the guy. But he's not a tight end to say the least. No. Um, but then again, I've also seen tight ends that can't block that play tight end. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize Tebow for trying. There's tight ends out there that are criticizing Tebow, and you play tight end and you still can't block. So let's be (laughs) real, Darren Waller. Um, Look, man, I I think the quarterback situation that CU finds themselves in is is bad but also really good because you know who your starter is. Your starter didn't go down, knock on wood. So now Lewis can focus on instead of trying to win a job, He can focus on keeping it and maximizing it and playing his balls off and winning football games now. So the conversation about the starter and Denver and Boulder is over, in my opinion. So Brandon Lewis now needs to focus on improving every week. Mm -hmm. And when A&M walks in, I'm not discrediting UNC, but they are going to mop the shit out of the Grizzlies on Friday night, September 3rd, and I will be there. Um, That A&M game, I'm telling you, bro, they are going to be jived up and ready to play, and that is that's the contest where every NFL player in Boulder is evaluated. That is the first game they're going to look at. Yep. Every single scout is going to go. How did they? How did Landman look and Lang and how did how did Beck or uh, Mackay look and how did how did the offensive linemen look and how did Lewis play and how did the backs play and how did Rice and Chenault and Stanley play against? SEC speed SEC West speed yeah and if they play well even if they don't win the game if they play well and give Texas AM and a run for their money which they will oh they will this, it will be a very tight football game and it will go into the fourth quarter if, if they do that that's the that's the football game right there that will be evaluated and you know who else knows that Landman knows, and Wells knows, and Lang knows, and all the boys we just talked about, all those men up there in that locker room that know if they want to play and get paid on Sundays, that's the game right there. That's the big dog game, and they it know it. There's no, like, there's absolutely zero guessing about which game is the most important one. Yeah. So the the best part about this whole situation is defensively you've got an NFL ass-kicking coach and Chris Wilson leading that charge. And it's not going to be – there's not going to be any more like ace for effort and gold stars. It's either – you know, and I'm, I'm just – this is what it is. I, I don't sit here and, and pull punches. But do your fucking job yeah. or we will find somebody to do it. Chase the ball full speed or we'll find somebody else to play. Everyone's replaceable. We have to work hand in hand. And Chris Wilson isn't sitting there like validating good college football play. He's sitting there pushing them to play like NFL players on mm-hmm. Saturday. Period. For sure. So I, I think that the talent up there warrants that as well. If you're Nate Landman and Carson Wells and Lang, I want a guy to coach me like I'm in the goddamn league. That's where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go get my pension and get fucking paid. I don't mm-hmm. want somebody to do sugarcoat shit for me. Tell me what I need to do to make money on Sunday and win eight, nine, ten games this year in Boulder. And walk around holding my balls like, what's up? Everybody that (laughs) thought we'd win four and a half games, suck this. Uh So it's, you know, I can't help the competitor inside of me. It's the way I feel. And I know wholeheartedly that's the way it's going to be because I played for him for five years. So, I mean, there's no better authority to get the information on what they're going to be like than go back and watch. I'm not saying we were the best defensive units, but if you fucked around, you got hit in the mouth. If you didn't bring your A game against those teams I was on with him as a coach, you got hit in the mouth. And he put NFL players out every single year. He was there, from Abraham Wright to Brayton to Bannon to me. That's the way it worked. So, you know, he he did it at Mississippi State with Fletcher Cox and and Sweat. He did it at USC with Leonard Williams. That's what he does. So did, he
0: did it with the Philadelphia Eagles yeah, with Chris with, Long and this Fletcher is my Cox point, again. This is and Fletcher, so yeah.
1: He uh, he got them playing at their height. He got he had made Brandon Graham a Pro Bowler. He made Fletcher Cox the highest paid defensive tackle in football. Yeah. He extended Chris Long's career into another another Super Bowl ring, and it, it, the longevity question in the NFL is very it's very it's very from a coaching perspective it's very up and down because there's so many different opportunities out there so winning a Super Bowl as a defensive line coach with the Eagles and staying there for three years mm-hmm. set him up for his role now to be the defensive coordinator at CU, which will probably set him up to be a head coach God knows where. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the natural progression of, of coaches, and I know that eventually that's what every coach wants is to be a head man. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's I, I think that CU is in such a unique position because I love, I love their the coaches at the three most important spots, which is OC, DC, and HC.
0: Where does strength coach fit in? Is that number four? Is that quarterback? It's six? in
1: the top five. I mean, okay. strength coach is so important because they are the guy that spends the most time with the team.
0: Yeah,
1: like they're the they're the guys that really mold the attitude of your football team because they are all the toughness and grit is built in summer conditioning and winter conditioning and running and finding out who we can trust on fourth down on the goal line to win a game. Mm-hmm. Not by your stars next to your name and how you know, much your nuts were tickled in recruiting and shit, mm-hmm. but we know we get to find out because the strength coach is going to push you to a point where people quit. And I don't think that's a bad thing. When people transfer and quit, there's a reason. Yep. They're not supposed to be there, so if we have to weed out certain people in order to achieve the goal, then it ain't, you ain't everybody's not supposed to make it. Jesus couldn't save everyone, <laughs> so you don't expect everybody to stick around the football team either. If you're any good, this, this is not a, you know, in the in the words of the great Dan Hawkins, <clears throat> this is not intramurals. So, and I say great leniently, yeah, that guy,
0: yeah. So, so he went to.
1: He's at Cal Poly. Cal Poly, that's right. And yeah. So I was covering Montana. That's the perfect place for him too.
0: Yeah, it fits a lot better. But but he uh, he had a depth chart that had just all the ores on it. So quarterback was whoever or whoever, whoever, whoever. And I asked him about it because I was like, you can't just be doing this and expecting us to not say anything.
1: It's the dumbest shit I've ever got heard. He got
0: so mad at me.
1: Of course he, he did. got so mad
0: at me. And it's like, yeah, but Because he knows also, it's stupid. It, exactly, Because it is. But He's trying to validate something
1: that's ridiculous, and yep. it's your job to call his, call his exactly. ass
0: on it. And so that's my one Dan Hawkins experience. Well, look, bro,
1: the more that – as a guy who has a quick temper, and I've had to learn how to deal with it my whole life, and it was awesome when I was playing football, but it's mm-hmm. not—it's not great in the real world. <laughs> at times, you know, I get myself—I put my foot in my mouth more than once a week, at least. Uh-huh. It when you find yourself—and this is something I've had to learn throughout being a business owner at Six Zero and so much other shit—if you're reacting to something negatively with vigor and fire, mm-hmm. you're probably not very confident in it. So that that would be my reaction with yep. Dan Hawkins is, bro, like, you, you don't have to yell just because your dumbass decided to say or Mike or Phil. <laughs> be like, well, there's only one dude, so it's not two guards. There's only one quarterback. So what the fuck are you talking about, decision. Dan?
0: One's gonna go out there. But yeah, going back to the quarterbacks, though, I mean, I, I had a chance to catch up with Matt Lynch today, and uh, okay. he said he hasn't talked with the staff about playing quarterback anything like that. Nothing. Nobody's come to him, but he did say, you know. I'm here to do what they need me to do and to help win games, and if that's what it comes to, that's what it comes to. They said that the transition back to quarterback, he doesn't think it'd be too tough. Uh, he said, like, he'd be a little rusty. I think the, the quote was, once a quarterback, always a quarterback. So there's a little update there. Um, here's a question for you, though. You know, Brendan Lewis, running quarterback, now that the backup situation is not what uh, the, the Buffs had hoped it would be, does that change how you use him? No. Not at all?
1: Absolutely not. Let this young stud go, bro. Take the reins off of him and roll. Because I'm telling you, the slower we play and the more we overthink this shit, the more apt he is to get hurt. the minute that they, like, plan for him not to get hurt, you're just you're messing with Mojo at that point. Like, you don't – I'm not going to make a plan to fail. I'm not gonna yep. make a plan to what what happens if Brandon gets hurt. I mean, yep. Shit, bro, we we got other people on the roster. They're gonna have to play then. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> and the expectations <laughs> not gonna drop. Just if Brand, God forbid, if twelve goes down, and I don't even like talking about it, Henry, yeah. because you're Knock talking, are on like again. talking yep. something into existence almost. But if, if that <laughs> were to happen, it, you don't just you know throw in the tent. It's not like, oh well, fuck it. Our quarterback yep. went down. You know, And all I can do is, is play off of experience, but I'm going to use 2001. Because when I was okay, there yeah. and I was a starting defensive end on a team that the year before we went 3-8. and eight. And, you know, we lost 28-24 to CSU and 17-14 to SC and 17-14 to Washington. And you lose 38-36 in Nebraska and you lose to Kansas by one score on the road. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, like everything's a heartbreak. You lose to mm-hmm. Texas by one score. You have really good talent, but there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And what, was, what really sparked the 2001 team was Craig Oaks getting hurt and everybody overreacting to the injury and Bobby, Pure, Bobby Pescevino walking into the huddle and leading us to a Big 12 title. So sometimes the next guy is the guy because Craig Oaks wasn't the guy. Craig Oaks was only the guy if everything works out for Craig. But Bobby's actually a fucking leader, Yep. A, a bona fide leader of men. So when he walked in the huddle, he wasn't he wasn't the main guy, right? But when he walked in, he knew he was the guy. So that's what I'm saying: is just because you have a starter who's very talented and you know tangibly has what you're looking for. Because Oakes was one of the most talented players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He was in my recruiting class. He went to Fairview. Great player recruited by all over the country. And when he got to see you, he took it by storm. People were very excited about him. And the minute adversity hit him, he transferred to Montana and disappeared.
0: He sure did.
1: So I'm just saying, that circumstance, when he called me up in, at part of his, his recruiting class and invited me over, and me and Tufts and Wilder and Clyde Sorrell and Marcus Harris and the guys in my class, and we were sitting there, and I was anticipating him saying, like, you know, you know, I really need the support right now when I come back from injury. In the middle of running a, a, a ranked team, you know, and he's the starting quarterback, if he would have stayed in '02 2 and he would have been the quarterback in no 2 we would have won the Big 12 again because Robert Hodge was our quarterback. We couldn't throw the ball down the field. So just because he brings us in and the first thing he says is, I'm going to transfer because things aren't working out for me, everybody else patted him on the back. I never spoke to him again really yeah dog you don't huh. get to you don't quit on us and then invite me to fuck over to your house for for what a cup of coffee to tell me you're quitting on me Huh? doesn't work like that sense. everybody goes yeah. through adversity deal with it. it it's the same we talked about marcus houston last week right he was in that recruiting class too yeah he had to compete for his job with chris brown and purifying and Cortland johnson and, and other dudes and he didn't like it so he transferred too so i have no i, I don't It's not like the NFL where you're getting cut and going to another team to get paid or whatever. That's not free agency. That's a choice. So in a family atmosphere, which is what college football is, in your recruiting class where you're trying to come together and win games and you're there with the same guys four or five years, it means something. So going full circle back to Pasadena, I think it's that was the best thing to happen to that football team was when Craig got hurt and it it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Well, just put four in and four run it, and we'll win a title. So, yes, Brandon Lewis is the man, and Mm -hmm. God forbid he gets hurt. But if something were to happen, you know, talented teams find a way to win, bro. There's no excuse why we can't go out and win even with multiple injuries. God forbid somebody else gets hurt. Remember Jay Sean Sykes, who is one of the best linebackers I've ever played with or seen play. His sophomore year at CU is maybe the best season I've ever seen from a linebacker that didn't win the Buccas. And if he would have been a senior when he was a sophomore, he would have won the Buccas. Jay Sean broke his neck against Kansas in one And he, our middle linebacker evaporated. An NFL caliber middle linebacker who had to go undrafted because he was hurt. And they were worried about his neck. He ended up playing a lot of years in the NFL and now he's the player director at, at Nevada and works for huh. for Jane Norvell there. And he's, you know, Jay Sean's a great man, but Losing him was like we were losing our starting quarterback and our middle linebacker. The season's over, but then they just insert Aaron Killian and Joey Johnson and and people that you didn't think could play the position, or maybe not play it to the same level as seven, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're making just as many plays. I mean, Joey Johnson the next week against Kansas State had twelve tackles and was like the the mainstay on defense. And the Big Twelve title game, he had a pick and like ten tackles, and he's all over the damn field. So. In college football, there's so much, there's so many unknowns, and so much speculation. So we can speculate that he'll stay healthy and be a great player, but you never. Jordan Worthington might be a five thousand yard passer for all we know. The, who's the other kid, the the Drew number Carter. two, Drew Carter? He could be an absolute stud for all we know. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I heard something, and I'll ask you this question, Henry: Is the basketball the JJ Hammond kid that played at Creek? Duh, the K- basketball Simpson. player, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Uh, J.J. Simpson, K.J. Simpson, K.J. Simpson, whatever his name is. I he played it. at yeah. Creek. And he was a quarterback yep. for Dave Logan, and he's. Oh, playing- no, that was Julian Hammond. Julian Hammond. You've mixed two together. Right. That's what it yep. So Julian Hammond's <laughs> up at CU playing basketball, yep. right? Well, he played quarterback at Creek for Dave Logan and won a state title. So is that guy getting a phone call and a knock on the door, Then saying, "Yo, like that is a good you question." You know, you're, he's he is a he is a super athlete dog you could line up quarterback power and run it with julian hammond all day huh so i'm just saying these are the kind of things that when something happens and somebody gets hurt it opens up opportunity for the next guy and it's not like the nfl where god forbid your starting quarterback goes down and you're screwed. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of NFL teams, when the when the quarterback goes down, the season is over. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way it is in college.
0: That's true. That's it's interesting to think about. Um, let's let's jump back to something you said early on when we we're talking about the quarterbacks. Um, you said that one of the things that worried you about Brendan Lewis is that he could get complacent as like a, a younger player getting that job. And this might – it's kind of a shot in the dark, but is that what you think happened with Steven Montez?
1: Um, well, no, I think Steve played at the at the right time. Hmm. I think Steve played when he was ready to play. I, look, do I think that maybe he should have played instead of Cepho that year and kept the starting job? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that he's a better player than Sefo, Mm -hmm. but Cefo's a better leader at that time, and he's the right mix for that team. So Steven stepped in and did his job. But was the offense more dynamic? Does CU beat Oregon in Eugene with Sefo playing? No. Montez was the right dash of throw the ball over the yard and drop dimes to your NFL receivers all day. Yeah. So I I think that Montez – I liked I liked Steve as as a as a quarterback. Again, he was part of that five and seven like can't get over the hump part of the of the mm-hmm. team. He was he was on two teams that were ranked back to back years and then didn't make bowl games. So that's a deeper, more inherent issue, in my opinion. That that I don't I couldn't I still can't put my finger on why those teams couldn't figure out a way to close the door and and get at least six wins because all of them. Every single one of the five and seven last three years, with the exception of the COVID year, all those teams had multiple opportunities to make bowl games where they had winning records at some point in the year. So it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a very unique perspective and, and problem. Huh. I don't uh, know if it's a problem necessarily. I don't know. It's weird. Before we get out of here. Um, Quarterback is such a unique position where sometimes the bigger, strongest, fastest guy isn't the best player. So
0: it is yeah. It's, so it's different. a, it's it's a different thinking than man it's else.
1: a one hundred percent all thinking man's game first. So you've got it on the offensive line, you've got to be big and fit all these tangible things before that you can be smart. Mm-hmm. At quarterback, you gotta be smart first and then everything else will fall into place. And you gotta be a leader because people have to buy in. So Yeah. Which I think they have.
0: Before we get out of here, uh you brought up Robert Barnes. I talked to him yeah. last Friday. One of the things that he had to say is that he thinks that he can change a little bit of the culture because he thinks that coming from somewhere like Oklahoma where you've had success and he's seen what that looks like and bringing in other guys, you know, whether it's Max Ray from Ohio State or Jack Lamb from Notre Dame, you know, Robert seemed to think that he was able to show a lot of these defensive players in particular – just kind of the effort that it takes to be that sort of program. Do you think that there's something to that, or do you think that that culture thing can be a little bit overstated?
1: No, I think culture is probably the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And he's coming from Oklahoma where they just stack titles. Yep. That's what they do. And I'm not going to sit here and act like they haven't been doing it forever. Oklahoma stacked titles in the 70s and in the 80s. And in the 90s they were a little down because of, you know, sanctions and stuff, but they were the best team in the Big 12 when I was there. They've been the big te- best team in the Big 12 throughout history. So he's coming from a culture that is used to dominating and winning. And it, it's – what is he going to say? The culture here sucks? He, he just he kind of said it sucks before. I mean, it, it did. <laughs> yeah. It I agree, does. I, I mean, if your culture is losing mm-hmm. and we haven't won a bowl game since I.E. Me was there in 04 holding yeah. a – and I was – look – in 04, we went 8-5 and five and lost in the Big 12 title game. And I was so angry at the end of the year that we didn't have 10 wins. I didn't know what to do with myself. But oh. most CU fans would be happier than a pig and shit if they won eight games. Absolutely. Including me. I yeah. would be super pumped. That would be a fun our, season. Our culture at that point was win 10, play for the Big 12 title, not get your ass beat on national TV. And my and Oklahoma absolutely annihilated us my senior year in, in the big 12 title game. So it was, we won a bowl game. That was great. I'm, I'm proud of it. At the time though, I was, I was, I was really disappointed the season was over obviously cause I loved playing there, but I was disappointed. Like I was, I remember sitting in the, in, you know, the bar with my, with Sam after the season was over, we're getting ready to go train for the combine and stuff. And like, Man, we we let the A and M game and the Missouri game slip. We should have been a ten win team. Like with the only three games we, I really felt like we lost were Oklahoma State, Texas, and Oklahoma. But when you when your culture and when the standard is at such a high level that you are angry about an eight and five season where you win your division and a bowl game, that that's the point. Is most places and people would be satisfied with that. We weren't. So, yeah, he's right. The culture here has been dog shit. And you know, when, you know the other person that will say that? Carl Durrell. Yeah. Every time I've sat down with that man. So, for example, in March, I went up there during the pandemic. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to get in up there. But I'm me. So, not just what it is. It is fact. what it is. So, I went up there is. and did a huge recruiting presentation on a bunch of the guys that I work with. And Travis Gray was one of them, obviously. Mason Maddox was on that list, even though he was, you know, they, they, were, they hadn't offered him the opportunity to go there yet at that point. So, went up there and presented to the entire staff. Everybody was in the room. And the first thing that Carl said to me when I sat down next to him at the, at the war room table was, look, we want to keep the good Colorado players in state, but... We haven't been giving them anything to stay in state for lately. So we've mm-hmm. got to get back and hold up our end of the deal. Mm-hmm. And when I hear the head man say that, I we've got to hold up our end of the deal like it makes my blood pump faster because mm-hmm. that's the kind of shit that trickles down to your football team. It does. Where we're not gonna sit here and affirm quality play. We're not gonna sit here and, sit and be like, oh, you're so good, to look at how good that play was. Dog, we're supposed to do that. We only get excited yep. about things that are above and beyond. We don't get excited about for example at 60 I take the same mantra the pride and tradition of 60 football academy will not be entrusted to the timber of the week as the pride and tradition of Colo- of the University of Colorado will not be entrusted to the timber of the week. Mm-hmm. So when your standard is greatness you don't get excited about the the little things that are supposed to be done to be great. So I think that the minute Colorado can get back to the point where the standard is nine ten wins a year, mm-hmm. the sooner we can get back to that point, the better because that's what the that's the standard of the guys that have played there in the past. Mm-hmm. so it's when you talk about culture, you have to talk about history because that's what it is.
0: Is it easier to maintain that like nine ten win standard or to build it?
1: maintain well shit that's a good question man i'd say that it's hard to build it's hard to maintain. it's hard it's just hard football's hard (laughs) it's hard it's hard to build it and it's hard to maintain it because it's like trying to maintain greatness in the nfl you lose players trying to maintain greatness in college football you lose coaches Mm -hmm. you can recruit greatness but your coat like if if carl Durrell. if they win 10 games chris wilson's getting a head job oh he's gone Yep. because the defense improved by ten points, and they're gonna somebody's gonna throw millions of dollars at him to go coach. So, and they should. And yeah, Sh- yes. Shiv's gonna be the next guy. He'll yep. be gone too, and all his recruiting and everything he does will be gone with him. Mm-hmm. But again, if you have established culture and the coach has taught the next guy what to do, that's how it keeps going. Mm-hmm. So the head coach is the one that holds the culture in his hands. The position coaches and the coordinators are the one that motivate the players to buy into the system that they wanted to play in and, and play hard. Okay. And then it, you can replace you can replace a coach, but it's really hard to replace the the message if the culture is set by one man. Then oh. that message and culture can walk out the door. Yep. But when the culture is adopted and set by everyone from the wa- the last walk-on on the roster to the best player on the field to the head coach, then it's the standard. It's not just something we're talking about. We don't have to keep resetting the the standards each mm-hmm. year. All we have to do is just reload. I like it. And I think they can get there again. I really do.
0: I do too. I do too. And, again, maybe people have bought in before and it didn't work out, but to me it looks like Carl Durrell can put the pieces in place. I think that's where we can cut off for this week, though. Let's do it. We'll do it again next Tuesday. Love it. I'll be here. I'm
1: excited. Go bus. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.